0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, New Brunswick MP Jenica Atwin crosses the floor from the Greens to the Liberals.
1: It's a good day. I think this is a a positive thing for my community. And I, uh, you know, the past month I've been at a crossroads. Um, It's been, in a word, distracting. Um, And so I'm going where I can do my best work on behalf of my community and for the people that I care so deeply about.
0: The Ethics Committee calls for tougher conflict of interest rules and government contract policies in the wake of the WE Charity scandal. While Canada's accountability laws may be broken now, the report shines a light on liberal corruption and it shows a clear path for us to clean up the mess and end the abuses by inside. And discussions continue over when to reopen the Canada-US border. There's a lot of Americans come here uh, they have seasonal residences here. They come from four to, uh, to six months a year. Uh, and uh, I've talked to many of them. They're doubly vaccinated. They're willing to come here and follow the local rules. If that means a 10-day or a two-week quarantine, then they're willing to do it. They have people that'll bring them groceries. They'll follow the rules. Doesn't it make common sense for them to be able to come? It's Friday, June the 11th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. Althea, thank you for being with us today.
1: Good morning, Mark.
0: So the big news yesterday was Jenica Atwin, the New Brunswick Green Member of Parliament, crossing the floor to join the Liberal Party. And this comes at a time when there has been a lot of talk of internal struggles for the Green Party and for its new leader, Annamie Paul. So what does this what does this uh, crossing of the floor mean ultimately for the future of the Greens?
1: Oh, so much in there. So I would say kudos to um, the King press and the Toronto Star, who've actually been following the internal strife. Uh, in the Green Party. And so through their reporting, we learned that there was a, a basically um, a fight between Annamie Paul, the new leader of the Green Party's, um, her senior advisor, and uh, MPs, Janica Atwin and Paul Manley, who publicly made comments, siding um, basically with the Palestinian side on the um, Israel-Palestine issue, where um, Ms. Paul and her advisor um, took a more a pro-Israel and his words Zionist approach, and he basically seems to have threatened uh, MPs who didn't fall in line on social media posts. And Janica Atwin, in her press conference, suggested that as she told reporters it had certainly played a role, but it seems from other people's commentary, including. The leader of the Green um, in New Brunswick, that there had been conflicts, uh, that Ms. Atwin had been feeling uh, not supported by her leader, and that that had led to a reflection, which in which she publicly mused at a dinner with her father and a well-known Liberal, uh, that she was having all these. She was basically in a phase of questioning, which led that Liberal to contact another Liberal who contacted Dominic LeBlanc, a well-known New Brunswick um, Liberal, and the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister, who uh, reached out to Janica Atwin and asked her if she'd like to meet for coffee. And that was about a month ago, and um, I'm told that on Wednesday evening, um, she decided that she was ready to cross the floor, and so they made the announcement on Thursday, Jenica Atwin was seen as the kind of future of the Green Party. Uh, I remember being in a car with Elizabeth May, the former Green Party leader in the 2019 election. We were uh, traveling around uh, the merit times, and she, was, she had so much enthusiasm about Jenica Atwin, um, about her as a candidate, about this bright woman and uh, what, you know, electing her in Atlantic Canada would mean for the Greens. And uh, this is a day where um, Elizabeth May tells me that she's heartbroken um, to see Jenica Atwin cross the floor to the Liberals. And it's interesting that she's gone to the Liberals, because in her press conference as well, Mark, she said that there was only one option really for her, and that was the Liberals. So um, will this mean that this is a blow to, to the NDP, or will it possibly mean a gift in some ways to the NDP? Mm. And I say that because... That when holds policy positions on the Middle East, for example, that are completely at odds with the federal Liberal Party, and uh, she may find it very difficult to uh, live in a caucus that is much more muzzled than the Green Party caucus, which, according to its own you know policy documents, constitution, is supposed to allow MPs to have free votes on basically anything, um, and they're you know they're not a party that whips its members, and so. Um, It it seems like Thursday was a really terrible day for the Greens. It was a good day for the Liberals. Could it be a good day or a bad day for the NDP? Who knows? But certainly it means a weakened Green Party, which is good news for the NDP.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Ethics Committee, which is calling for tougher conflict of interest rules and government contract policies uh, in its report following the We Charity scandal. Uh, What do you think of those recommendations?
1: Yeah, they came out on Thursday and issued about two dozen recommendations in a 116-page report. Um, a lot of the recommendations, so these are the recommendations where the Conservatives and the Liberals and the Democrats on the block agreed. And frankly, many of them are common-sense uh, recommendations that you kind of wonder why they weren't in place to begin with. Like The first recommendation is about how Cabinets, should uh, consider making it mandatory that when they talk about contracts or contract agreements that they decide whether a conflict of interest screen um, is necessary, that should that one should be put in place as a preventative measure to avoid a conflict of interest. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. Doesn't it sound reasonable to you,
0: Mark?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of full of recommendations uh, like that. There are specific recommendations that are... Um, so that flow from the way they the We Charity, the We Foundation Charity contract, uh, had been assigned. Uh, the committee is recommending that the government no longer, for example, awards contracts to shell companies that don't have any assets, so therefore they can't actually absorb the liability. Um, we were told that that was the reason why We Charity Foundation was uh, was. The, kind of the owner of the contract, the contractee, as opposed to We Charity itself. But actually they didn't have any real estate assets at that time that they could leverage. So there's a lot of kind of best practices. Um, the press conference, so there's there was agreement in the recommendations, uh, but in the press conference was a complete um, can I say mess? There's another word I'd like to use, but I'm not going to use. But um, it, you really saw that the partisan attacks that have really dogged this committee and have probably prevented it from uh, kind of rising above partisan bickering yeah. and and coming up with uh, recommendations that are useful for everybody. But at least, you know, when you're looking at this report, you're like, OK, well, you guys, you worked through a lot to get to this and, and kudos to you and we'll see Well, we may not have a chance to see if there's an election, what the government um, responds to those recommendations, but at least the report is out. And I would also just add briefly, Mark, that on Thursday, Pablo Rodriguez, the Liberal House leader, also came out in bed, basically accused the the Conservatives of dragging their feet and being um, hampering the Liberals' agenda. Uh, He pointed to a variety of bills which he said, you know, could risk not passing because of the Conservatives' actions like Bill C-6, the conversion therapy bill, uh, Bill C-10, the broadcasting bill, and Bill C-12, which is the um, climate change accountability measures, the net zero greenhouse gas emissions bill. Uh, But these are bills that the Liberals chose only to bring up for discussion. Recently, they could have brought them up a lot sooner. So there's a lot of politics at play that seem to be um, laying the table for an excuse to have a, a late summer fall election.
0: Mm. All right. Let's talk um, about the Canada-U.S. border. Um, I gather there's some speculation that, uh, that it'll be discussed when, when Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau are together in England for the G7 summit. So what are you hearing about that?
1: Yeah, I was on a panel on Thursday with um, Congressman Brian Higgins, who represents a district in New York, and he said the White House had told him that President Biden and Justin Trudeau will be meeting at the G7 um, to talk about reopening the border. Uh, The Americans, uh, including congressmen like him, want uh, doubly vaccinated Americans to be able to cross the border to visit loved ones or to attend to their property, which they were unable uh, to visit in 2020. Um, And as we know, there was an announcement earlier this week uh, relaxing some of the border requirements, but it only affected Canadians and permanent residents and those who already have the ability to come to Canada right now. Uh, They were excused if they're doubly vaccinated from uh, doing those three days in a hotel quarantine. We expect uh, that there will be a phased-in approach over the next month, so in July, not necessarily in June, but in July, Um, But obviously there is mounting pressure from representatives on both sides, Canada and the U.S., as well as the tourism industry in this country, to speed up that process and actually have a reopening plan with benchmarks.
0: Okay. All right. We'll see what happens. Althea, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Mark. Have a fantastic weekend.
0: You too. Thanks. That's CBC at issue panelist Althea Raj. With cronyism and corruption... Rampant in the Liberal government, a new and comprehensive anti-corruption law must be passed to return accountability to Ottawa. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Sabrina Mado argues the Liberals' shrugging at the WE ethics report proves the rot runs deep. Mado writes... The We Affair is ultimately rather innocuous in the grand scheme of things, considering it didn't directly endanger our democracy, financial stability, or national security. However, Canada's institutionalized, blasé approach to ethics could do exactly that. If Liberals cared more about Canada's future than their own, they wouldn't hesitate to move forward quickly and aggressively. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues Justin Trudeau has received a gift from the Green Party. Martin writes, Having Fredericton MP Jenica Atwin quit the Greens over Middle East political differences is weird, but it's not going to change the dynamics in the House of Commons. Still, it helped change the channel on a bad news day for the government, and in the longer term, it delivers a demoralizing blow to a three-seat Green Party rival, which grabbed 1.2 million votes which might have leaned liberal in 2019. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues Indigenous funding is a massive failure. The Sun writes, How is it possible that billions of tax dollars spent over many decades have not improved the lives of Indigenous Canadians? The reality is the Trudeau government, like all federal governments before it, will never be just to Canada's Indigenous people until they focus not on the size of the checks they're doling out, but on whether the programs they fund are working. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will attend the G7 Summit in Cornwall, England. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will take part in two virtual town halls to discuss early learning and childcare, with families in Burlington, Oakville, Brampton and Mississauga, Ontario. Freeland and Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will virtually attend the inaugural meeting of the Sustainable Finance Action Council. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will speak at an event hosted by the Halifax Chamber of Commerce. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will attend an infrastructure announcement in Deep Cove, British Columbia. The middle-class prosperity minister Mona Forche will announce support for people at risk of overdose in Ottawa. She will also attend a virtual announcement in Timmins, Ontario. And Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will make an announcement in support of organizations that prevent and address human trafficking in Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June the 11th. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.